Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth, cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. It's the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And we are here to do an episode about electric blues, my friend. Sponsored by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro. For and the cure for what ails you since 2014. The electric blues, man. What we want to do today is dig into one part of the electric blues. It's kind of like our real first episode about electric blues here on the podcast and i'll be honest with you i am later to the blues party and i'm still learning a lot so i would have to say that in six or eight months from now this list will be totally completely different (laughs) because that's why we're the imbalance history buddy (laughs) well that too but also because of the fact that we this is a continual learning process for both of us and how much fun we're having doing all of this learning and learning you know whether it's relearning history or learning that a bunch of these stories that we heard through the through the grapevine as children were false so there's this whole you know this whole process you've thrown off all the chains haven't you yes i have i apologize (laughs) And I'll oh, put good. them back on. Right. No, it's a good thing. Before we jump in, I want to remind people an announcement we made last week. April is Punk Rock Month on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. Four episodes all about those who love punk rock and the music. You're going to love April. And in July, it's Listener Episode Month featuring four new episodes suggested by members of our audience who communicate with us through our email address, imbalancehistory at gmail.com, and through our social media. So, that's pretty cool that we're kind of doing some different stuff as we start our third year as a podcast. Yeah, we do have some exciting uh, ideas to move the podcast forward. I'm excited. Some of our great listeners have made some great suggestions on topics for episodes, and we encourage you to do so. So please feel free at any time to say, hey, this would be a great topic for the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Boom. Email us. Hit us on social media. So many ways to communicate. And please, please do. We want you to engage in the conversation with us. 
A lot of that conversation includes the Category 5 favorites, which we talk about regularly. This time out, it's all about your five favorite electric blues guitarists, and that's a big list to pick from, too. It's not like there's just a handful of these guys. There's so many great players. Before we get into our picks, we need to see what the Vegas line is here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. Marcus, what you got from Vegas? I've got a 1.5 from Vegas. A little higher that's than normal. Make it, that's going to make it a tough pick for either one of us. Digital analytics, based on previous <laughs> conversations, says I'll that the odds are 1.5. <laughs> 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 they have a program that runs odds on everything. They know what they're doing in Las Vegas, okay? <laughs> Truth. I'm going to say one. I'm going to say one as well. I think Ooh. it'll be one. I almost spit my coffee. So we both pick one. And we haven't both picked the same number since maybe one of the early five favorites. All right. I guess that means I'm going first with my number five. Yes, you are. He's considered one of the young guys in the Electric Blues Guitar Club. If you go back to the beginning of the electric guitar, infusing itself into the blues, the one and only, one of the men that I've met, and there's a few on my list, Buddy Guy. Now, Buddy Guy may not be that familiar to you. Most people probably younger than me know him from his cameo in the Rolling Stones movie that he did uh, a bunch of years back. Uh, playing Champagne and Reefer, and that's a song he's known for. He's known for so much great electric blues, revered within his generation and in the previous generation uh, that included people like Muddy Waters and whatnot. Buddy Guy, an American classic, and still doing it, waiting for them to take down the restrictions so he can go and play even now. He's a legend, and he's somebody that I'm continuing to learn more and more about as we move forward and as I continue to dig into the blues for the style and the tones of Buddy Guy are unique. And when he's playing, you can tell, hey, this it's is him. Buddy Guy. Yeah. He's got you that You want to find a really good YouTube video to watch to get indoctrinated? Watch Buddy Guy at your very own Red Rocks. It's an incredible show that he put on that night, and that's around the time that I met my number five, Buddy Guy. What's your number five, Marcus? My number five is a young man whose life ended way too short. He was doing amazing things when he was taken from us. Uh, he played with David Bowie on the Let's Dance record. He started making a lot of noise. He's a little Texas man who bit like a rattlesnake with that guitar, played beautifully. His sound, just magnificent. And I'm talking about the one and only Stevie Ray Vaughan. His blues guitar style, just mind-blowing. The emotion that he was able to invoke with his notes... Like the sky is crying made you sometimes want to cry. If you were in the right mood, I bet it could bring a tear to your eye. I absolutely, absolutely believe that. All I could say is the day that he died was one of the toughest days for me because I had just met Stevie Ray uh, in the last year, year and a half prior to when that happened. 
I heard he was kind of an introvert, more shy, and just kind of let his guitar do the talking. Is that correct? Would you say that was an accurate impression of your time with him? I didn't know him well enough, but I met him uh, in the sa- almost the exact same place where I would meet David Bowie years later, oddly enough. Whoa, at the tower in that back yeah. area? What? Yes. That area is so cool. Sacred ground to me. Um, he just seemed super laid back and cool. and I, Maybe that's you know just his way. It was just his way of being. What's your number four electric blues guitarist, my man? My number four is a guy who started with the Yardbirds. He was one of three that made a lot of noise. He was at first a studio musician. My number four, one of the three amazing guitarists that graced the stage with the Yardbirds. He, I would say, in reality, is probably my first real indoctrination to the blues sound. He played hard. He changed the world with his band. And I'm talking about Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin and those first two Led Zeppelin records. As dirty, bluesy, and electric as they are, they are what turned me on to the blues. And you are not alone, my friends. Page's work and his interpretation of the blues and his effort to share it with the next generation before you, like when I was, you know, a teenager, is the first wave of that. And it continues to go on because Led Zeppelin continues to influence. And the work that he did in the Yardbirds, not as famous, but if he's not in the Yardbirds, does Led Zeppelin happen? It's always a question I had on the backside of all that. You're number four, James Patrick page which means we have to go to your number four mr ray one of the younger players kind of like buddy guy hubert sumlin he became pretty popular as the go-to guitar player for helen wolf in the 50s at chess records playing on tracks like killing floor and sitting on top of the world built for comfort the great willie dixon song he also played on the London Helen Wolf sessions with the likes of Clapton and some of the younger guys. Hubert Sumlin was an incredibly valuable asset to the Wolf. There was a time when he left and went to play Muddy Waters Band. In the movie Cadillac Records, it's depicted in a manner in which Helen Wolf basically told Waters, You took my guy. He's coming back with me. If you ever do it again, I'll kill you. That's all inside the Chess Records family there, bro. That's crazy. The real story is in Killing Floor, sitting on top of the world, and all the records that Hubert did with Helen Wolf, with Muddy Waters, and as an artist, and his playing, his feel, his touch, his influence on countless number of blues players to come after is really why he's my number four. Great. Hubert Summer. I should have quit you. I don't know much about Hubert Sumlin other than a few of the songs like Killing Floor that you mentioned, but I definitely have to do some research into him. From what I've heard of the songs that you've mentioned, his guitar work is magnificent, and again, it talks to you, which is the power of the blues. It talks to you in a different way. The great thing about all this, Marcus, is we're still learning, and there's always names that you bring up or I bring up, or music that one of us will mention in passing makes the other one go find it on Spotify later. 
True. And that's part of what's fun about it for us. And people are like, what are you guys getting out of all this? Well, about a dollar a month and uh, <laughs> the joy that it brings us to get together and do this stuff and talk about this stuff. Today we're talking about our five favorite electric blues guitarists. And I believe that that brings us to your number no, oh, no, your number three is what we're on now because we just did ah, your number four. I can never fucking get it right. We always botch this. We totally boff. Here, boff. We boff the order every week when we do this one. When you think of electric blues, when you think of electric blues guitar, there are a handful of names that immediately flash to the front of your temporal lobe. Isn't that where your temporal lobe is in the front, right? <laughs> Leonard Chess's right-hand man, his consigliere to the world, the great Muddy Waters, number three. And the records that he was on, the singles gone all back to the 50s, his later revivals both in concert and with albums produced by the likes of Johnny Winter. Legend. Muddy. My number three electric blues guitarist of all damn time. There's our at least one same song. Oh, so your number three is the one and only Muddy Waters. Yeah. I got turned on to him by a friend of mine who's no longer with us. A childhood friend of mine was really into Muddy Waters and turned me on to people like Keb Moe and some of the other blues guitarists that he used to listen to a lot during his time. And we would sit around and just listen to Muddy Waters, and his guitar work was magnificent. I didn't feel it the way he did. I feel like I'm later to the blues party. As far as yeah. feeling it in that way, but listening to Muddy now, wow. Just what he accomplished and how his style helped change rock and roll and influence all of these cats beyond his time is remarkable. And if you listen closely to Muddy and you listen closely to the people who have been influenced by the blues in their bands that play some of the blues influence, you hear his influence in their guitar everywhere. Fingerprints all over it, man. <laughs> a crime scene with so many fingerprints. A rock and roll crime scene. The blues had a baby and they <laughs> named it rock and roll. Uh, yep. I'll tell you what, man. You know what I like when I listen to the blues? I like to have a tall, frosty, delicious brew standing by, ice cold and ready to go. Let's slide on by Crooked Eye and count down to number one on our episode of Five Favorites Electric Blues Guitarists on the podcast. Oh, the thirst. You can feel it building as we're doing the first half of an episode, but man, I really need this pint in my hand that is brewed by Jeffrey in the back room right there at the brewery at Crooked Eye 
in the heart of Hatboro. I know you love your favorite brews there too, buddy. Absolutely. Which uh, pint do you have in your hand? I'm holding a pint of the Burrow Blonde, which is a nice cream. Oh, that's really good. It's a nice, lighter-tasting beer. I like the ESB, the Extra Special Bitters, uh, because of my affinity for it. And I've rarely found anything that even remotely is like the British bitters I originally fell in love with, other than what Jeff brews there at Crooked Eye. Yeah, some good beers at Crooked Eye. Another one to check out if you like ales is the Golden Eye. It's a clean ale, man. It is so nice. There's all kinds of flavors and all kinds of things, ciders and all kinds of beverages for you right there at York and Montgomery in the heart of Hapro. And now there's good news for you, Marcus, and all our friends in Delco. Really? What's this good news you speak of, Ray? As things are reopening, Jamie's House of Music, not far from you in Lansdowne, is now the home of Crooked Eye in Delco. So that means I can go there and grab a growler of their beer? Anytime they're open for a show and they're pouring, you can go to 32 South Lansdowne Avenue right there, not far from you, and stop by Jamie's House of Music to check out all the brews that are on tap and available from Crooked Eye. And the uh, website is crookedeyebrewery.com. A great place, a local place that you can take with you. So take some with you wherever you go and spread the crooked eye love like we try to do here on the podcast. It's all about the electric blues guitarist that we love. And the great thing about Five Favorites, as we always like to tell people, Marcus, is there's no wrong answers. So if you've got your favorites, that's cool. We want to hear from you, too. You can email them into imbalancehistory at gmail.com if you want. Or you can leave a message on our Facebook page when we post our episode live you can say hey these are my favorite electric blues guitarists and list them right there and then we can engage the conversation on social media or when we tease it on twitter or when we push it on twitter you can definitely reply there and let us know who your five favorite electric blues guitarists are because we definitely want to know this will be a fun conversation because these cats influence so many people so differently Counting down to where we are as we head into the home stretch here, Marcus started with Stevie Ray Vaughan at number five. His number four is James Patrick Page of that little group called Led Zeppelin, and he was in the Yardbirds too. Muddy Waters, his number three is my number three. Ding, 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 one in common. My number five was Buddy Guy, and my number four, the great Hubert Sumlin. And that brings us round to our top two positions. Marcus, you're hitting leadoff here on the second half of the podcast. All right. Throw me that big fastball, and I will tell you who my number two is. B.B. King. His guitar work speaks for itself. But as a band leader, he is unmatched in modern-day blues. Absolutely, and his ear is magnificent. And the fact that he was able to hear everything else and put it together and make it as fluid as he as he did, just remarkable. And he is one of those guys whose music will be alive thousands of years after he, you know, after he's gone because of how great that music is. Well, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, and I could agree with you less. But this is the point in the episode, ladies and gentlemen, where he calls me cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Uh, My number two 
R2. Oh, if it was only so simple. <laughs> you mentioned B.B. King. And that makes everybody go, Jesus! And that makes me think of We Three Kings. B.B. King. Freddie King. Albert King. Uh-huh. The Three Kings of the Blues. And their greatest offspring... S R V. Yes, that's four as my number two, five favorite electric guitar blues players. Dude, you just deal with it. Dude, Vegas is going to implode because of what you just did. You (laughs) fucked Vegas up. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I didn't think of Vegas, did I? Now, how do they rule on this? Okay, well, we get the ruling we're going to have Vegas. to come back in a week. They're going to have to talk to their lawyers. There's no way they're going to be that able to solve this. just went, what? Yeah, there's no way they're <laughs> going to be able what? to solve this by the end of the recording. Holy because shit. Because at that point, it immediately could put us at three in common because mm-hmm. we have uh, we have Muddy, right? And, yeah. and, you have B- and we have uh, BB. Yeah. But then I could be adding Stevie Ray, so we could end up with three in common without even doing our number ones. Yep, and I wouldn't be surprised and, if our number one is the same. And I also wouldn't be surprised if a couple guys show up, a couple of the boys come over and say, so what's with the three fucking kings, Mr. Gould? What's going on here? Anyway, um, <laughs> so that's my number two, and that's why it's complicated. Whoa. As I put in my show notes, number two is complicated. And that leads us round to your number one. My number one is a guy who played the blues but didn't play the blues. Kind of changed how he played the blues. What? He was a force of nature, otherworldly, maybe the greatest axe man of all time. And there are many who say that, but I'm talking about Mr. James Marshall Hendricks. thought that was where you were leading about halfway through and i get it because not only could he play the blues like nobody's business he was maybe the best advertising for the blues if you want to call it that mm-hmm. he was a, he carried that banner and message well yeah and i know he's not your traditional blues guitarist i know he's not that traditional guy but what he did with the blues and the way he bent the blues but still kept them as bluesy as he did just was amazing and magical and otherworldly. It's so hard to, you know, not repeat these descriptives of Jim Jimi Hendrix because of who he was and what he was and what he did and how he accomplished what he did accomplish. He's the type of guy who can open your eyes and your ears to so much more because of what he was. Any blues man will tell you, the form is the form. The form changes a little bit when you move from acoustic to electric or for different parts of the blues, right? Chicago versus, you know, Texas, whatever. 
But the blues, the form is the form. What really matters is what you do with it. And everybody that we're talking about has done pretty amazing things with the form, including Jimmy. Mm-hmm. But none of this shit gets done if it isn't for a guy named John Lee fucking Hooker. The super spreader of the blues. Boogie chillin'. When I first come to town, people, I was walking down Hastings Street. I heard everybody talking about the Henry Swain Club. I said I'd drop in there that night. And when I got there, I said, yes, people. Yes, they were really having a ball. Yes, I know. Boogie, children. That's it. Here's my evidence. Nobody influenced more than John Lee Hooker. And we even talked about it in uh, our episode about Rocket 88, how much of an influence it was on the birth of rock and roll. Think about the players who built their, not just George Thurgood, but the players who built their repertoire off of John Lee Hooker's repertoire. Of course, George and his guys, they know how to play everybody's stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're pretty talented, even though, you know, they borrowed a lot of that stuff from the predecessors, those guys. Jeff calls them the greatest cover band ever. He, and that's his little joke about it. But, you know, they are incredible. They're not the only ones. There's a whole line of bluesmen, mostly white, some black, mm-hmm. some urban, some suburban, mm-hmm. all flowing from the music of John Lee Hooker. And he is also one of the people on this list that I met. Mm-hmm. One time, backstage at the Chestnut Cabaret. Wow, that's incredible. Was he a ni- was he a nice gentleman? Incredibly nice. And at that time, I didn't know as much as I know about John now, including the fact that he wasn't really capable of writing very well. Part of it was age in his hands, and part of it was education. Yet he signed a picture of himself for me. When I found out this fact a year or so after the fact, I, I, I felt horrible because I didn't realize, and it was difficult for him. But it also showed me what kind of person John was to do that for somebody who asked, not knowing, even though it wasn't you know, mm-hmm. something he was capable of doing very easily, like yeah. some. And that touched me some places that the blues don't even reach. Yeah. Super spreader of the blues. Absolutely. Boogie chula. Yep. And, you know, I'm curious as well, well besides, the, oh, besides the fact that we have our top five, I'm also curious to see who your uh, honorable mentions are because they're seriously, like you mentioned, all over rock and roll and all over the world, some amazing electric blues guitarists out there. T-Bone Walker is part of the Texas blues tree. Um, he learned from Blind Lemon Jefferson. He certainly learned and was adjacent to the Three Kings and one of the greats. Perhaps the best new generation blues guitarist that I've ever seen? Derek Trucks. Uncle Dwayne didn't get to see this, but Clapton did. Clapton stepped aside because he realized greatness when he saw Derek Trucks play and had him in his band for a couple tours. Nobody else since have I seen that plays like that. Well, 
couple guys come close. Some of the new guys, newer guys. Kenny Wayne Shepard's a beautiful blues guitar player. Um, oh, this is this Kenny Wayne was already established artist before any of this stuff happened that I'm talking. About. Okay. Albert Collins, the Iceman, the original master of the Telecaster, out of Texas. Yeah. One of Alligator's records best artists. We haven't talked about Alligator Records much, and we need to. Mm-hmm. Johnny Winter, the young blues player of his day, period. Uh, he, there was nobody else like him. Is he better than Edgar? Because I've heard Edgar's name a lot more. Over Edgar the plays years. keyboards. Johnny plays guitar. Gotcha. They could have had a band together, and they did some work together. Now, Johnny, look up Johnny's work with Muddy and the work that he did both on his own as a blues man, but also in, in conjunction with him to help others like he did with Muddy. Gotcha. Elmore James is often overlooked, but George Thurgood would have mentioned him long before this. Uh, he did a lot and died young at age 45. Songs like Dust My Broom, It Hurts Me Too, The Sky Is Crying, which you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and One Way Out, which the Almond Brothers later made famous. Johnny Copeland, he's not that famous. He's more in the age group of Buddy, BB, kind of like Bridge Between the Generations, born in 1924. And his legacy includes his daughter, Shamika Copeland, who's one of the finest younger blues guitarists out there today. And there are my honorable mentions here on our five favorite electric blues guitarists. Excellent. Some great honorable mentions. Uh, John Lee Hooker made my honorable mention. Uh, John Mayall of the Blues Breakers made my Uh, honorable mention because of... uh, the fact that when we started getting back into the early Yardbirds and stuff like that, I got a chance to listen to some John Mayall and doing some research there. Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know what Mayall did, though? You know, before you go past that, you know what Mayall did? What? He he created an environment where guys could increase their abilities. He created he had a band there, and a guy like Mick Taylor comes in as a, really as a kid and comes out a fully formed player and goes on to join the Rolling Stones. He was kind of like a, a guitarist factory there at one point. That's pretty cool. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan's brother, Jimmy Vaughan, plays a beautiful blues guitar. Yes. And he doesn't get a, much credit because of who his brother was. You know, uh, I don't know if it's that. I mean, in his own way, he gets full mm-hmm. credit yeah. for what he's done with the fabulous Thunderbirds and on his own. But, you know, I don't think it was ever like that. The last thing they were working on was family style or one of the last things mm-hmm. uh, kind of accentuating their commonalities. They were brothers in every way, in, including in the music and True. Jimmy's taken a lower profile over the years. Some of it's by choice. Yeah. Also, uh, Rory Gallagher's name comes up a lot when you think electric blues guitar. Um, Sure. And Peter Green from Fleetwood Mac is somebody's name who should be mentioned in that discussion because he played some seriously beautiful yeah. blues guitar as Back well. Back when Fleetwood Mac was a blues band, mm-hmm. really, they were. And on the on the modern front, uh, some of my favorites are Gary Clark Jr., who I think plays beautiful, beautiful bluesy, dirty guitar. Oh, I didn't even go current. I just was looking like classic. Yeah. But I think no. But I think Phew, moving forward. No, but I think he's moving great. forward. Yeah. And I got. I could do a whole other five favorites, bro. We could do a whole list. It'll Seriously, change. it'll. Change. I haven't stopped following the blues my whole yeah. life since I first realized what I had. Yeah. There's a young kid named Marcus King who's pretty good. Got his record too. He's the next one on my list too. Yep. And then somebody who plays Shemeika. more. Yep. 
I'd like to hear some of her stuff. I have not heard some of her stuff. Uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp is up in that discussion, um, even though she was more gospel. I was surprised you didn't put her in your five favorites. I was debating on whether or not to put her in her five favorites because she's not as traditional blues as most. And True. I would. I definitely was considering it because she could shred like nobody's business. Um, That's a shame because I had that in the office yeah. podcast pool. I yeah. had that you would put her in there. That's funny. You dick. I I think Vernon Reed is an is one of the greatest blues uh, guitarists out there and should be mentioned um, in that he's conversation. A in he's a shredder game. in any category. Look, I, I, there, you know, we have to do sometime. We have to do a thing about guys like him and Morello and people who can and have played with. All kinds of people and can shred it all. Yeah. You know, because not everybody's did. There's a lot of specialists. There's so many great electric blues guitarists and we can't we can't get them all in there. And it's our five favorites, and I went way beyond that. I'm just talking about favorites overall. I would love to talk about today's blues artists. I would love to talk about what's going on out there in in, in that regard. Would yeah, love to. Me too. And definitely um, bring us the conversation via email, imbalancehistory at gmail.com. You can hit us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. You can look it up and you'll find it. Imbalance Histo is our Twitter handle. Minus and remember, R-Y. April is Punk Rock Month here on the podcast, including new and, um, I would say, refitted episodes that we've done about punk rock in all its different forms. April, Punk Rock Month on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And get ready for Listener Episode Month in July. Four new episodes suggested by members of our audience. And they're good things. It's not like we're just taking whatever. These guys have really hit us with some great episodes recently and a couple that have been around for a while. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm looking forward to both Listener uh, Episodes and Punk Rock Month. They'll be a lot of fun to dig into some of our favorites. Let's sign off from Pantheon Podcast and Dark Doc Media. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. Thanks for tuning in, finding us any way you have, and listening to the imbalanced history of rock and roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.